Opa! Summer is over and fall is on its way. But there were a lot of openings this summer, and in this episode of Food at a Radio, I joined Joe Campagna of Chicago Food Snob and Anthony Todd of Chicagoist on Joe's Logan Square Deck, while we still can, to talk about what's new on the Chicago food scene. First, though, we start with something that's old. Indeed, downright ancient, as in ancient Greece. All right, so we are here clinking ice on Joe's deck, which seems an appropriate end of summer thing to do. It's football weather. Winter, winter is coming. Winter is coming, yes. yes. We're going to, you know, a lot of things open this summer. We can talk about all those things. We will talk about all those things. But let's talk about something else first, which Anthony wrote about, which everybody wrote about. Everybody has some story, some angle on the closing of the Parthenon. Um, not the one in Greece, but the, the restaurant in Greektown. <laughs> And and uh, you wrote a really nice one about what it meant to you. Uh, t- tell us about that. I did. Well, the Parthenon's sort of a weird piece of my restaurant history because it's both the first thing I ever remember doing in Chicago, but also the place I've probably gone the most of any restaurant on the planet, aside from like the lunch place in the basement of my law firm. Uh, I've been going there since I was three years old. It was my parents' first date. Wow. Uh, yeah, so my Parthenon connections run very, very, very deep. Yeah. Which is why I was on the phone the night that it closed with my father, who is not an emotive man, and he was on the verge of tears. It was bad. Do they so, still go often? Or oh, yeah, at, like at least twice a year. Do you and still go often? I go or relatively you go often. You know why I go often is because I've developed an entire cadre of friends, most of whom do not live in Chicago, who, when they come to visit, insist on going to the Parthenon, because despite its somewhat theatrical ridiculousness... It's a genre of restaurant that just doesn't really exist in other cities in the right. same way. And so lots of people from all over the country would come and they'd be like, well, this is the thing for Chicago. I have to have my deep dish pizza and I have to have my hot dog and I have to go to Greektown. And so that became the time I went over and over and over again was mostly with out-of-town guests. So you're just basically showing them 1977 Chicago when they come. Exactly, because all anyone wants to see is 1977 Chicago. Right. <laughs> they don't want to see 2016 Chicago. Look, Not we many have... people can survive 2016 Chicago. That's true. And, and also it's, look, we have a Shake Shack. I know, right? Yeah. But they deliver to your room. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's interesting, though, because, I mean, you think of... Chicago has, like, when, when people talk about Chicago and certain veins of culinary hood, you know, and we get joked about the Stockyard Palette, but, you know, thinking about it, like, what other city do you go to where you're like, we should hit Greek Town? Is there one? I, I mean, New York, one. you'd never say it. It's definitely not San Francisco. There's Greek restaurants There's all Greek over restaurants, New York. but it's like in that sense of there is that kind of, you know, feeling towards that restaurant. Almost like you're like, we should do Italian in Chicago. I don't know where you would take them for that classic... Italian, but for Greek Town, it was Park. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Greek Town, I think you're right. It has that kind of feel. You know, it was the last. Like, who's left? I mean, Greek Islands. Greek Islands yeah. is my place there. But, you know, like, there's a difference, really. And everyone has one. It's one of the things I wrote about is that yeah. just like every Chicagoan has their favorite deep dish pizza and they're, like, militant about it to death, 
everyone I know has their Greek restaurant, and often it's by default. It's because they've only ever been to one, and they haven't. Right. Act- I don't know anyone, maybe Nick Kindlesberger. I don't know anyone who's actually done a systematic survey of all the Greek town restaurants. Have you done a systematic survey? Of no, I go to Greek islands. Yeah, I go to the Parthenon. <laughs> I've mean, been to one other place. Gra- gla- gra- galactically different from each of them. They're like, not. No, no. I've been I've, to Greek islands. I've been to Athena. I made that joke about you know that there's a big commissary under Greek town, <laughs> and it just has tunnels to all the different restaurants. <laughs> I think there is just like the just, wine comes in in barrels. But the question is, is you know, them closing, is that gentrification? Is it? I think I, the, the thing that gets me about them closing is having been there millions of times with universally it always being packed, I can only imagine these series of genuinely awful business decisions that had to have been made to get that kind of restaurant to a place of insolvency. Because they were, they had a banquet business like you wouldn't believe. They had buses pulling up outside the restaurant every day. It was packed So what was every the reasons time. they gave that it closed? Back taxes. I'm the sure it had to do with down. Aviva. Yeah, they they sunk money into Aviva, which bombed immediately. Aviva was their fancy. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I, did anyone here go? Did you go? No, I couldn't get in before they shut down. It was that right. fast, <laughs> and that wasn't so even my normal delight. This gyro's open for like a millennium. Yes, and then you try to do fancy Greek, and it lasts a heartbeat. Yeah, which not the first place to go like that. No, but it's fascinating. I what mean, was that? Oh, Como Inn. Was didn't it kind of go the same way? Yeah, that's now condos. I mean, shit. right. So what's going into uh, Parthenon? A horrible sports bar. A sports bar. I shouldn't say horrible. I don't know, but I'm just assuming. The other thing, though, that I think is maybe the West Loop really did hurt Greektown, and maybe it's going to, you know, for years, Greektown was the easy, you know, you need a place to have a business lunch. It's right there. Everybody will be happy. It was never never high-end, obviously. It's not drawing Everest crowd. Sardines in the West Loop, and, I mean, knock on wood. We haven't heard anything. I mean, they still have their three-course prefix for lunch, and but those places are huge, though. I mean, all those. I mean, the all the big Greek town restaurants. I mean, they they have got to be full. They have to do big a lot of business. Well, they, and they used. To, I think they used to get a lot more hotel concierge referrals. That's the other thing. That's I don't true. think we think a lot about how boutique hotels affect this too, because it used to be that everyone's staying at the Hilton or the Hyatt, and they recommend the same nine businessman restaurants, including Greek Town. But now all the boutique hotels, of course, have to have their connections with the fancy West Loop restaurants. So, yeah, no, sad, pour one out, except not this because it's too good, but pour, pour something less good out for the party. Pour some, pour some Uzo out fire. and yeah. set pour, it on exactly, fire. Exactly. Like. Pour some Roditas from an unmarked bottle out. Uh, yeah. And read Anthony's piece in Chicagoist on on uh, the passing of the Parthenon. Life lessons I learned from the Parthenon. Right, right. Where will we His second piece. Our flaming cheese. Right. It's over. We talk so much, and we will talk so much, about new restaurants, but old favorites are a big thing for a lot of people, and every year somebody's old favorite bites the dust. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, did you grow up here? I don't even know. Yeah, Joe. yeah I grew up in the Burbs. Um, I mean, old favorites, like, for me, an old favorite would be Gene and Jude's, you know, which is not a, necessarily, I wouldn't call it necessarily a restaurant, it's a hot dog stand, but it has that memory of going with my grandfather if you would eat the hot dogs and, and the fries in your car, they would literally smell the car for two days. Um, you know, there's a line. It costs nothing. I still don't think they realize what the cost of goods are today. Because you can still get, like, lunch for two, and it's, like, $7. And you're like, the fuck? Like, you could charge more. So a place like that, I think, when that closed or if they announced they were closing, that would be a place I would go to again because there's, there's the iconic nature of just standing in line, no ketchup. Um, and there's that flavor and that smell. But then when you look at other places growing up, 
you know, we went to Coco Pazzo, and that's another one. It's been around for 20 years. It's not lighting the world on fire, creating new Italian, but it's old school and it does it well, and, you know, that sort of stuff. I think there's there's kind of that character to it, you know. You can go to dinner, and it's not difficult. Yeah. Do you have other I'm an, I, I am kind of an aficionado of really old restaurants, whether they're good or not, um, or whether they're good for me or not. Um, when Sabatino's closes, which someday it will, there was a rumor like six months, it was a year ago, something that it had closed because um, they were like closed for a renovation and the trip right. ran some dumb piece that they'd closed. And uh, I, my heart sank a little bit there. Um, I literally, four hours ago, made my Gehaz reservation for when my <laughs> mother comes into town because it's her favorite restaurant in the world and she's been going since she was a kid because she grew up in Chicago and they've been around longer than the Parthenon and if that place ever either burns down, which I think is more likely than it closing, or... <laughs> <laughs> or once again another place by or the Sabatinos way. for that matter. Right? <laughs> yeah. I have to say yeah, that, Sab- dangerous. Baked, baked Alaska and Sabatinos always seemed like a bad combination. You know, to but me. it's one of those places where when it when it goes if it ever does, uh, we will be really, really disappointed in my family. It's it's I know it sounds cheesy, but it's one of those things to remember, especially for people like us who are constantly going to new restaurants, that it's really important, both for journalistic purposes, because people like reading stories about those places, because not everyone knows about them, and for personal reasons, you know, make time to go to those places, because you're going to find that they're closed one day, they're going to be gone, you know, restaurants, it's really weird that restaurants last 40 years, it's impossible that restaurants right. last 80 years. Yeah. So what's the what's the Italian place? Is it Vernon Park Tap that's been there forever? Tufano, yeah, Tufano's. Yeah. So it's Park like which they've been. changed the name of Vernon Park Tap. I saw the other, or what? Vernon Park the other day. <laughs> Wait, Vernon <laughs> Park is no longer Vernon. How Park. How could they change a neighborhood? It? What is it now? I don't know. It has it has some. I think like if Tufano's is like kind of like a Parthenon, it's totally family owned. Mm-hmm. The family is still there. They're still super involved. You know, it's not like a rosebud that's become yeah. this monolith of just mediocrity and red sauce Italian. Like, Tofano's is still doing it. And they're not really changing the menu. The menu's not different. You know, it's just the way they've always done it. Yeah, I was yeah. just running in my head through which of the restaurants we really like now. Not the flash in the pan ones, but the restaurants that are really big standards on everyone's best of list are going to be around in 30 years. And I'm having a hard time. But if, if a place is successful and has smart restaurateurs behind it they'll tear it down and put something else up you know kevin bame isn't going to be you know padding around boca when he's 80 you know with it looking the same i don't know uh you know they'll they'll reconcept it it's that family restaurant place that becomes the the people's whole life that that lasts that long so you know look look at mexican restaurants for that i mean and nueva leon when it reopens will be in that category again but here's the question though people when people are going to those restaurants they're going for what they know they're going for that comfort they're not going to a you know place of creativity they're going for that food that kind of has that nostalgia I just think, but, no, but at I one mean, point, I mean, the thing that's interesting about that is that it's, it's. I don't know that it's that they're not going for innovation. It's that they're going for a snapshot of a moment in time. Yeah. So I was trying to think: is there any place that I have a nostalgic feeling for in Chicago? And you know, how can I have a nostalgic feeling for my early days in advertising at agencies I didn't like? You know, wow. Right. Or, you know, wow, Avanzari. I'm going to have warm feelings about eating at Avanzari. You know, Scoozy and things like that. Um, Even the service isn't really like it used to be like that. Like, you don't have, like, the service was kind of a show. And you have that a little bit at certain places. Maybe it's more fine dining, but, you know. You don't have a relish tray. You're like, oh, there's a relish tray. I mean, like, I would to love to go to Florida. Like, right. You gotta go to Florida <laughs> in a village. 
I mean, the I, so I was thinking the place I would love to go back to if it could come back for a day yeah. is Le Parquet. But okay. but that's because it was like 1946 Paris anyway. You know, you went up on the elevator and you had the, you know, the banquettes and and the table had the little glass animals on it, like you're at grandma's house. Do you remember the glass animals? <laughs> I'm not I'm that old. Okay, you never went there. No. Yeah, it was one. I think it was like the first really expensive meal I had here, and it was so precious that I treasure every memory Were there of like it. Hummels in a display case? You know, I, <laughs> practically. House? Well, except it was, it was shishi at the same time, okay. but, but, you know, I expected to see like Truman Capote and some 90 year old x-ray talking to each other across. <laughs> Are you guys on that old Facebook page, Restaurants 86? Yeah. No. It's all that, that era. It's like old school seventies, but it's like newspaper clippings and menus. And it's amazing to see how food prices haven't changed a ton. And how menus have changed and how designs have changed. It's a fascinating... Tells you how much just, money they were making then, but not now. Right. Like, it's uh, like, how does that work? <laughs> it's crazy to see. But it was... Uh, it's a, it's a, you should get on that, I will get Facebook, on that Facebook page. page. It's pretty awesome. What's interesting to me... So I'm going to Milwaukee this coming weekend. And one of the reasons I love going there is because, unlike Chicago, the real estate prices and the market pressure is not the same. And so there's a lot more opportunity there's for a lot more 60, past. 70, 80-year-old restaurants. Not because they're bad and surviving on mediocrity, but because you can be sort of good but not amazing at everyone's favorite restaurant and survive into the future yeah i mean so well the two things that kill restaurants here one was the neighborhoods going bad yeah i mean that wiped out so much of the old south side and stuff and the other is then real estate pressures from the 90s on just too much killing those old places and so you know half of the places that i'm visiting on in milwaukee have been there for more than 40 years you know there's been some new radical fun places but you know half of them have been there for longer than i've been alive and that's one of the reasons i like that kind of travel is because sometimes those smaller cities there's a little bit more opportunity mm-hmm. for those places to last and chicago like i said it has some of them but we're losing them fast and you know the berghof and the italian village aren't going anywhere but it's the neighborhood ones that you're gonna you lose. know if any place gives me sort of artificial nostalgia it is italian village especially that what's the one at the the room at the top that hasn't oh, changed since 1936 yeah i have never been to the italian Oh well, really? that's never any of them. I my know I'm saving would, it for something. My father I'm would not go every them. Thursday because it was tripe for lunch. <gasps> so he would go every Thursday for like 30 years. I'm not saying the food is good. We need a live podcast. Anthony's first experience of the Italian village. Yeah. As someone who loves both theme park dining and old restaurants. But that <laughs> is like what it is. Yes. That was it. Was Disneyland? You know, the and Italian it's, pavilion in Disney. The thing to me, you know, and I'll tell you the thing that is really my little Proustian memory here is restaurants used to do that trick and old movie theaters did too of the the hidden light that sort of cast like blue light on the wall it was very much a like art deco yeah. 40s thing yeah. and they put that in in 1932 at the <laughs> italian village and they haven't seen a reason to change it since the filter's so. still going strong yeah, yeah killing it but apparently the food's pretty good everyone tells me it's actually decent if you, it's that that style of spaghetti sauce that people do where they put a ton of sugar in it, wow. which I don't like that at all. There's, but it's, Yeah, there's not a lot of acid. <clears throat> yeah, but it is... Maybe it's the modern version, because they have the three restaurants. One's more modern and somewhat progressive. I've heard that. Maybe that's the one people say they like. I don't know. I've, yeah, I, I have a couple, like, but, diehard fans. But for atmosphere the upstairs and you know it's it's like it's like all old italian restaurants in chicago there's one thing they do great and 46 things on the menu that aren't really very good what's the yeah. one thing i don't know but if you can find it <laughs> if you find that you know well, like you, go to you get the veal chop because it's bigger than the plate and it's actually really good the breaded veal chop but 
everything else on the menu, it's a mess. Where the linguine and clams at Il Vicinato oh, or right. something, you know? Right. Try, try that. Dish. If you want something else, try the linguine and clams <laughs> anyway. <laughs> We've talked about old favorites. Now let's talk about new things. We've had a ton of openings this summer. I feel like all I've done is go to expensive restaurants. My credit card statements will bear this out. And Anthony's shaking his head because he's been working many late hours. He hasn't been anywhere. I haven't been anything. Anything. I shouldn't even be on this rooftop. It's literally you wait a week and blank. There's 20 new places. I know. I can't keep track of it. I used to have a spreadsheet. I used to have a spreadsheet so I could keep track of things for potential reviews. I've just given up. I just whatever happens to be on my radar that week, I'll go. I've I've given up. And see, I've I've been I've tried to be diligent about going to the major opening, but there's all these things. It's like Federales, good, terrible. I don't know. Broken English, better than Federales, good, terrible. I don't know. I mean, it's just Federales is the place where you take your shot class and throw it at a bell, right? I have no idea. Does that happen? That's what I've heard. Federales, good, makes lots of money. Yes. Mm. Right. It's a bar. It's a bar. It has tacos. So well done. Good job, both of you. Okay, so we've covered that. We've covered that. And now it means it's the taco version version of parlor. How about we talk about places where we have been? Yeah. Because there are some that I've been to. Where has Anthony been? Well, now you put me on the spot. Oh, okay. Um, Where have Anthony been? Anthony's been to Steadfast three times and reviewed it. And three times? Three, well, I'm trying to address some of the idiots on Facebook who say I don't go to places enough before I write reviews. Which I have I no not, idea what you're no talking clue, about. But I, and I will still continue. I don't say that on Facebook. I just say it to you. I will still continue to not go to places multiple times. Sometimes, if they don't warrant it and or if my dining budget doesn't cover it. But yeah. Steadfast was doing interesting enough stuff and had a couple of big misses the first time I went. But some really big successes. And I wanted to give them another chance. And I will say I have continued to be impressed with the stuff that they're doing. I've also continued to be impressed with the fact that their dining room has four people in it. So I'm hoping that now that the hotel is open, maybe they'll get some more traffic. It's a beautiful room. I'm like you. My first visit, my only visit so far was up and down. For me, it's like I came in for lunch. Mm -hmm. Lunch in the loop is an hour, an hour and 15. By an hour and a half where I'm still waiting for the last dish, bring me my goddamn food. Let's go. We're sharing. Just bring it. Let's go. Come on. And then when you bring it, it's not hot. Like, what the fuck? But... I mean, it was it's it was busy when I was in there. I'm glad to hear that for lunch. Um, I've only been for dinner. I went for dinner yeah. every time. Um, is anything in the loop busy at night, though? Uh, well, I'm thinking. I hope. Italian I village. think Baleo, <laughs> Baleo, which is on the roof of that building, which I haven't been to yet, but I did a pre-opening feature. I think they're counting on it being busy in the loop at night because they opened a 250 seat rooftop bar and restaurant. And they'll um, be busy until a certain certain time. But you I mean what's the place in JW? The Florentine. The yeah. Florentine. Killer well, lunch. Yeah. Good food. Chris Maki, a great chef. Yeah. But dinner. Dead. It's it, the whole loop is a ghost town. I know. I mean, you can ride a bike and not get hit by a car. It's true. It's it that for me is a tough. You've the only thing there business. is to do at night in the loop is see musicals about guys on the money. So it's, right. it's one of the reasons I'm but hoping I'll be able to get into their new cognac and caviar bar in the same building, which I'm actually really excited about. Um, which is the law library themed bar in that hotel, the same hotel with Steadfast and Vallejo. The only reason I'm excited about it is because I feel like anytime after 8 o'clock I happen to be at work, I'll be able to walk in. You can get food, (laughs) which is good, but there's no view, like, so you don't have the, you know, the the stuff by the park. um, No, exactly. The the Chicago Athletic Club. You're not by the theaters necessarily, Mm -hmm. so the people from the Burbs aren't going to go. I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to... I think the hotel will, of course, keep it alive. Right. part of the prestige of the hotel. But I will say their bread service is 
amazingly ridiculous. And that is the one piece of feedback from my review I wrote that I've heard from everybody is they have a they have a separate menu item bread service okay. which has choices and butters and pickled things and eight kinds of bread and you can pick and choose and the it's the pastry chef who does West Town Bakery right. whose name I cannot pronounce and I will not butcher Chris, Chris Teixeira. Teixeira. thank you and there's a, there's a baseball player named Mark Teixeira it's the only reason I know there you go it. and he's doing a really really good job so even if all you do is go in have one of Ben's cocktails have one of Chris's bread service plates and one small plate and leave, you'll be getting your money. Man cannot live on bread and whiskey man alone. Man can, in fact, live on bread and whiskey alone if you add in the suckling pig. Could man get <laughs> thin on bread and whiskey? I might need to adapt. Could All be right. New, that'll be our new book. I've brought up a new place no one else has been to. You bring up a new place no one else has been to. Uh, I went to Steadfast. Um, I went to GT Prime last night, which is extremely new. Some of us weren't invited to the GT Prime opening party because we pissed off both groups. Well, that's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, but went to dinner last night. I mean, with them only being seven days old, they're definitely you know doing very well for, for the time. There's obviously issues with um, you know seasoning on certain dishes, but it wasn't egregious. It wasn't overly salted. It wasn't undersalted. It's just that little bit of fine tuning. But for seven days in, it was pretty good. Um, obviously, I know them, so they know me. But the one thing I thought was interesting is most of the time, and I'm a guy who orders dessert, and dessert for me is important when it comes to getting on you know a, a review and everything else. I have yet to ever look at a menu other than this one and go, I'll eat all of those. And they were all really good. Who's like doing a the pastry? Andrea. She does GT. Oh, yeah. But there was there was chocolate. There was the creme brulee with Meyer lemon, which was tart and, and sweet with the blueberry. And it was... But all of them, I was like, holy crap. Like, I mean, you know how I am with dessert with panna cotta and ice cream lately. <laughs> but that, that, that was really neat to me. But the stuff he's doing with me, it's a, it's a really good... GT fish to GT prime. It, if you go to one and you go to the other, you're not going to be like, wait, I'm, I'm confused. They really do work well together with the small bites and how he's doing stuff. And he, it's not all meat. So you can easily get fish and other stuff and vegetables. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And I'm trying to think if there's another one that I went to that's, that's I'm, really I'm nice. I will say, despite them kicking me off their list, I'm legit excited for GT prime. I it's really want to It's a beautiful go. room. Um, I really want to go. Um, and, you know, newsflash, I'm redoing my Swift and Sons review. Uh. Not because I've been and think it's better. I've just decided that it deserves a revisit because they've got uh, so many people who I respect have said that it has improved. Not that it, so many people I respect have not said that it was never bad, but right. have said that it has improved, um, that it is time, I think, for a revisit. Yep. Uh, I went to Forbidden Root not too long ago, which I really like. I mean, it, it, to me... Fan. What? I'm a big fan. Yeah. I mean, I like the beers much more than another place that's putting beets in beers and stuff like that. Uh, and I, and I, but I was also impressed by the food. I mean, a few years ago, you would have had Angus burgers on that menu. And now you've got these dishes that seem to have come from a vec or somewhere. And that's really impressive. The downside to that place is the bar is cool and there's a warehouse, an empty warehouse space, mm -hmm. you know, or, or a Walmart or something kind of around the bar. It's, a, it's just an empty square and it doesn't have any character or personality to it. Well, and I know they were limited to some degree in what they were allowed to do because they were dealing with the historic Yeah, it's an space. old theater and stuff like that. But I know it matters to Boca Group. That you have different environments, it matters to Karen Harold, who's designed so many of them. You have different environments within the same space. I mean, nothing is more of a barn than Belena's space, but they create all kinds of different. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you just you have can have a different feel in different parts. 
And that matters to me. I always find it boring when you open the door and you see the whole rectangle of the restaurant and you take it all in at once. Yeah. You know, there's, there's nothing to be there's nothing to be discovered. Yeah. But at the same time you're there for the food. I mean, for me, I like that the room is nice, but if the food has got awful, I, I give a fuck. I'm not going back. Well, sure. But um, it's part, but it is entertainment. It's part of the experience yeah. that yeah. you know that it conjures up something more than you're in a you're in a square and we happen to paint it. Have no, you guys done Smith or, or Loyalist? Because Smith is really neither new. Of them. I've Lo- been to either yes. of them. Yes, I I'm going to Smith this weekend. Loyalist, I've been to twice. Holy yeah, moly, when man. you first go in, it is an empty black box, and it's I was kind of surprised how plain it was. Mm-hmm. But if you go in and there's a bunch of people in there. It's surprisingly lively, so I, it didn't bother me. I'm curious to see Smith because I think it has to have a completely different, from the picture, seems to have a completely different feel to it. Um, you know, Loyalist could be an aerobic studio. That's about how plain it is. So you Loyalist know, feels like a figment at this point because I've had like a couple of dinners where it's like scheduled and then it gets changed or it gets canceled. I do have one for sure in a couple of weeks coming up, so I'm excited to go because it's a restaurant I've not really heard anything bad about yeah no i haven't heard anything bad about it and john shields is a guy and his wife karen is somebody who's got a great pedigree but nobody's really had their food in a long time so i'm glad to see that you know they're getting that support and they've definitely taken a gamble on the fine dining i mean that's a that's a giant investment you look at fine dining in chicago and you know after the per se review came out from pete wells doing two stars it was like oh fine dining's dead this is the end of fine dining and corby fleener and his review write-ups about how fine dining is this dictatorial moment but you look at Chicago, and it's like we're getting more restaurants focused on yep. these prefix menus of uh, any number of length, whether it's Oriole, it's Smith, and then you've got others that are going to open. I think it's kind of cool that you know Chicago, as much as it is what it is, can support all of those different kinds of dining. And even though, I mean, for me, even though I'm happy to burn all the money I can going to those places, I, can, I only do it so often. Right, you can't and it do does it all the make time. it hard to. Well, some you know. I, I right. <laughs> we know some people who do, but uh, I don't. I don't feel like I can keep a handle on that scene, because if you go to Schwa, it means you're not going to L Ideas, so you don't know what they're doing right now. And if you go to Oriel, it means you haven't been to Grace in a year and a half. And it's hard and, enough to get reservations and schedule them all and schedule the money. I mean, that's my right. thing. And I can only handle so many of those. I can only handle one of those experiences about every month or. Two months, even at this point, I, my patience is my patience is high, but my my bodily tolerance is low. Right. Um, I, I mean, the last one of those I did was Oriole with with you, in fact. Yeah. Um, and it was how amazing. Was, how was Oriole? It was amazing. Another it was one great. that you've heard nothing bad about. It was yeah. wonderful. I, I, it's weird. I've heard nothing bad about it. I I feel like somehow it's it's not invisible, but I feel like it hasn't gotten as much attention as I wish it had. Maybe that when I mean, as much as I hate to give them credit for anything, maybe if when Michelin comes along, if they get some yeah. Michelin love, which yeah. I think. They certainly may. I will say they better damn well, given some of the one stars in this town. If they don't yeah. make it, I'll and be he has a one star, two. and he had a one star in a restaurant right. that you know, not that he had his hand tied behind his back, but he was definitely not cooking with all of the potential. Exactly. And, so and, and Oreo's definitely much twice. more accomplished, and it's much yeah. more Michelin friendly. I mean, it's definitely yeah. got the trappings that they seem to love. So yeah. I, I really hope that he gets some attention. And I said since I had the first meal there. He's for me as a young chef in this town, he's the one with the most upside. And and you see what he's doing now. And, you know, once he figures out to take the step or two out of the box and he can do what he's doing, he'll, he'll light the world on fire if he can meet his potential. But it's fascinating what he's able to do, what he was able to do at Senza, 
and I'm excited to finally get into Oriole right. at some point soon. That's really cool. Well, and it's interesting then to compare that with, with Loyalist and what I presume Smith will be, because there I have a real sense of them being sort of mature talents. Yeah. And from day one, you know, really probably doing the best, uh, you know, revival of Trotter style of anybody in town at the moment. I mean, it's it's the food is not just simple, but sort of almost daringly simple and yet really precise flavors. I mean, you just, it's stuff hitting the target, zing, zing, zing. Right. And, I mean, there's one dish that's like cantaloupe with some seasoning and some little flowers on it. And how can that be a big deal? But it, I was kind of wowed. And to me, that's, you know, that's like trotter magic in yeah. a nutshell. It's Yeah, less is more. Are there any new ones that have uh, not hit the mark for people? I feel bad about saying it, and I feel like I'm going to get yelled at. You Since I've become the naysayer of the Chicago dining scene, which I don't want to be, I feel like I'm filling Julia Kramer's old role. Well, someone um, needs to. You're not to. making it personal. It's We're not personal. She did. I don't think it's personal. I, well, I'm, that's the reason why this one, and I will caveat this by saying I've been once, had a really bad experience, and want to go back before I actually write the formal review. I have joined the cadre of Twitter people who think that Dixie is not very good. I've yet to go. I I had, I was really excited. Um, I love Tony's food. I loved it when he was at um, Fermentos. Fermentos, thank you. I don't know why that slipped my mind for a second. Um, Their bar program is astonishing. And if you go in the space, which is the old Takashi space, Mm -hmm. it's completely different. The the build out is worthy of awards by itself. Or for some of of us old folks, the old glory space. There you go. (laughs) Um, And the bar program they're doing is astonishing. Every cocktail was perfect and beyond perfect. Really great. His food was just not on. Like every dish was wrong. It wasn't disgusting. It was just wrong. It was expensive. It was like this modern take on Southern food where everything was over acidified. You couldn't hmm. taste any of the ingredients, which I feel like is a hallmark of Southern food. You couldn't taste any of those classic ingredients. I've but heard 50 50 on it. I've heard 50 50 too, and I hope that it's because they're getting their legs under them, which is why I want to try it one more well, time. Well, do you want to go back quickly or you want to give them a while? Well, I, I need from... to go back relatively quickly because I don't want to wait six months between visits because then I can't write anything about yeah. it. Um, yeah, I, but, I think you give them a month. But and yeah. it's been a month since my last visit. So because I went pretty early, and I want to, and once again, I wanted to try to give them a little more time. Was it um, execution, or was it the dish itself? It was the design of the dish itself, the flavors okay. didn't balance. I don't think it was because they scored the wrong thing on it. I think it was because the the concept wasn't quite right. Okay. Um, but I, like I said, I really want to give them another chance because I think Tony's a good chef. I also, however, think that Southern food is one of those things where you really need to spend some time and energy figuring it out. You know, you can't just decide like I'm gonna open a Southern restaurant. Woohoo! Yeah. Puts us together. Uh, who says you, know, you can't? People do it all the time. And it's usually mediocre. And yeah. I just I, I have a lot of affinity for is that this kind of a cooking. Culturally appropriating type of it is. Yeah. And I'm not a I'm I'm a Midwesterner, so I'm culturally appropriating it myself. Um, but you know, I just I I have a lot of affinity for that cuisine. I think there's a couple people in town doing it really well, and so I think there's a high bar. And, See, it's yeah. funny. Like for me, Southern food is wonderful and grits and. Like, there's a soul to it, obviously, and it, it brings a lot of culture together. And I know you love Big Jones. I've had such interesting experiences there, which <laughs> you know? drive me nuts. Like, literally went once, and the fish was not cooked. And I'm like, how the fuck do you do that? And then another time, there were other issues. I think their brunch is great, but I love Southern food. And I think it's one of those where, to make it expensive... It's hard because people are like, it shouldn't be, like, whatever, but well, it, it can't be. And my though. problem isn't that. I don't mind the fact that right, it was no, expensive. No, no. I do mind the fact that it was expensive and I left hungry and the. Yeah, that's not right. You know, that's-
at where? I've become you a might big, be the only one. I know. I, I was really surprised. <laughs> I took someone there for a firm event. I went to Snack Shack, and I had a genuinely great lobster roll. And I was like, what? Am I in the Twilight Zone? Like, everyone seems to hate this restaurant. I don't I see the point of a second seafood I restaurant in the same building. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the, the only reason I went there was because, like I said, it was. I think it's actually a surprisingly good place for a business lunch. They've got yeah. some good, not super expensive stuff. Um, it's a little bit challenging, so you can impress your clients, but not so challenging anyone won't eat there. So, like, yeah. I actually think for business lunches, it's a good option. I was surprised I liked it because I've heard some not great things. So well, let's I talk kn- about big. Hold on a second. You've been to Animal. Are you a fan? I've never been. Okay. I've been to Osteria Longi a million times. I love that place. So that's my that's my struggle. I'm going back. There's there were there was execution issues. I don't understand why a burger needs to be that big, <laughs> but we didn't order it because it's like I think the triple is like a quad or something. It's ridiculous. No, I don't, I don't know. The, I don't the know. server was weird. But I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna give it a shot, and then I'll probably weep because I'm not an Osteria Longi fan. Really? Oh my goodness! Scandal. I'm not alone in my love for this restaurant. Like yeah. other people. No, also. You're not alone on this deck. It's a silent majority. <laughs> there are, no, no, no. I wouldn't say majority. I Because I say that, and people are like, what do you mean? It's amazing. And then there's other people who are like, I kind of agree with you. It's weird. Like, my, my club is not big, but I do not feel as alone as I once did. You shouldn't feel alone. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are I mean, I don't, You know, I don't care, but no, I legit not. for a while was like, am I the only one? My wife won't go. She refuses to go a third time. You know, anyway, you they have a way mind. of putting cream on panna cotta that is so ah, good. <laughs> cream garnishing cream. Nothing better in life. All right. Big restaurants Sounds that we have not good. talked about. Royster. Who's been, oh, I've been, been Royster. Royster. I had to cancel my goddamn Royster tickets. Thank you, work. So I have uh, not been to Royster. Royster. Royster was interesting for me. We sat at the, we did the hearth table. We sat there um, at the bar. For, for a restaurant called Royster, you expect to walk out of there full and heavy and like, yeah, like gluttonous. We did the whole tasting, and it was lighter than I expected, and it was delicious. Like the food from from the go was was great, and I really enjoyed the variety that was there, the, the different things they were doing. I, I, I thought it was great. I definitely want to go back and try other stuff, but I, it's another restaurant I've not really heard anything bad about. Yeah, I haven't yeah, done the tasting. I just went there, went at like 5.30 and got in, and... Uh, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, I've, I've been waiting for Andrew Brochu to really come back, not work at some oddball place like the Monarch. Have they, oh. have they opened the basement yet? I don't even know. But he's got a huge I can't. I so, can't I mean, tell. set up for success there. But I, but I can't tell, like, what... It's one of those places I look at the page on talk and I'm more mystified about how you eat there than I was before. So I just, like, went and ate, and that was fine. It's um, very high on my list of things to do in yeah, the next it, month. I want to yeah. get back, but I mean, I definitely had a very good, pleasant experience. And I don't want to say I was surprised, but it was nice to have a tasting menu and not walk out feeling mildly disgusted with myself. Because I was full, I actually walked out going, it's kind of the old Charlie Trotterism of, I want, in, in, in Keller, I wish I had one more bite in every dish. And at the same time, you know, I could leave and go have a piece, uh, go have a small dish of ice cream because I'm not that overly full. Right. And I really felt that way, in a good way. And that's yeah. really hard. I don't see a lot of that. All right, so Giant. Who's been to Giant? Anyone? Not yet. Nope. No, okay. Well, I really like Giant, but... Have <laughs> we the, have, are awful. Have the eggplant. We are really well, awful Well, there's, there's too many things too to many go things to that we don't have enough shared And how many stuff can you get out? That's the thing. Yeah. There's new, and then there's the old, and... I know. And if you're only going... And, and, and there's been some olds that have had some changes that I've had to go to as well. Right. 
Right. Like uh, what? Bistro Campania. I got, oh, a, new, okay. got a new chef sure. in the menu, and I'm it's my neighborhood, man. I got to do it. And yeah, so like yeah, that I took up a night and a yeah. chunk of budget. I'm excited um, for Giant, though, being in my neighborhood and getting a chance to go, because I'm hoping for that place where I can go once every couple weeks on a regular basis and not have to you know, go to River North or West Loop. And that's definitely what they're going for, so yeah. I hope that that works. Yeah. All right, DuckDuckGo. Who's been to DuckDuckGo? I've anyone? been to DuckDuckGo twice. And? I enjoyed it. I don't get... I know. I feel like a lot of people are slamming it, and for me, it's like it's Chinese food. Like I'm, I'm not all the going, Asian I'm, people in my Twitter feed have slammed it, right? And I and I understand that, but with her, she did the research. She did the work. The Dan Dan noodles were good. I mean, and maybe it's just me and my my white guy taste. I, I thought it was good. I mean, I thought. I mean, there was dishes better than others, but I mean, there were things I liked. Have you been to Imperial Lamian? I have. I'm the only person in the entire city of Chicago who likes Imperial Lamia. I did. I oh, like that's right. Twice. You do. Yes. We're the other one. Finally. I, oh, I, I gave it a stellar review, and it was not. The service was weird, and the atmosphere was strange. It's an odd place. But the, I had some dishes that were really spot on. There was good, but that's another one where I think people there there are more oh. food people than you think that like it. But those, I mean. Louisa Chu wrote, writes about it. One, she writes a novel, and she compares it to her grandmother's cooking and people from Singapore. You can't do that. That's not how it works. Well, know? but they it, it, is, sold themselves on it that, is those little but, things. It's, you know, it's one thing to make a dish. But their it's another thing to make a dumpling, and a true, dumpling has a certain profile. In, in the homeland are not like they are here. This is a massive restaurant compared to what they're doing there. And I thought the food was good. Granted, I'm an idiot. I'm a white guy, and I don't get what Asian food is, maybe. But for me, I enjoyed it. I thought the soup dumplings were fine. I thought the, the shrimp, I the garlic chicken, my wife wouldn't get it again. But the dry cook and the chili on it, I, I, I got what they were doing. I liked it. Their egg dumpling, sweet egg dumpling, was my, my favorite desserts of the year. Like It was just interesting new stuff. Not new to the world, new to me. Right. Um, and I think that the problem is that if you get too snobby about that, if you get too snobby about, well, it's not perfectly authentic, you have to remember that it's not, when I say it's not new to me, I mean because I haven't had everything in the entire world of Chinese food, and that's okay. And you know what? If you're going to introduce some of the twits in River North to some even 25% more authentic Chinese food, you're doing the world a service. Well, let's, let's talk about this authenticity thing, because we just had an example of it. And not that we don't have a flare-up of this. About every, every two weeks weekend. at this yeah, point, no but the uh, pho one in Bon Appetit, where <laughs> white guy makes pho, says not to do some things that I guess people typically do, like squirt the sriracha right into it first thing, and so on, because uh, he wants you to taste his broth, which I don't find the most offensive thing that any white guy ever said. Um, and but then Bon Appetit also like they hyped up how it was presented in a way that proved to be pretty offensive. I mean, it's basically, you know, you don't know what pho is until you've read this article with our white guy. And uh, but on the flip side, though, it gets to a point where it's like, is Italian food only Chef Boyardee? That's, my, that's offensive as well. So I think, you know, people give shit to Rick Bayless and, and all of this. I, I think it's hard. Like, the world is much smaller than it's ever been in terms of travel and getting food. Are, are only people allowed to make their ethnicities food? Is that is that where we're going? And there's also, I think the thing that, and this is going to get me flack, but there are plenty of people of a given ethnicity and who live in a given place who actually don't have very much exposure to that place's or that ethnicity's cuisine in a meaningful way. So, for example, random guy living in, pick New Orleans, 
pick an American example, a random white guy living in New Orleans, may not actually have that much understanding of Creole cuisine, right? They may have lived there their whole lives and had some great Creole restaurants, but they might not have made a study of Creole cuisine in the way that someone from Minnesota who decided to go there every year for their entire lives and then open a restaurant in Minneapolis. This is a made-up example. Uh, that yeah, I want to go on there. Creole cuisine. But the problem is that person would be said, well, you're not authentic and you're fake. And it's like, well, actually, to this random person who happened to live there for 40 years, like, wait, wait a minute, I actually may have spent more time in restaurants and interviewing chefs and reading cookbooks and eating food than the person who lived there. And the fact that that there happens to be in Singapore or Mexico or New Orleans doesn't change the fact that simple existence may give you insight into a cuisine. But if you're not the type of person who's paying attention, it may not. And just like I don't pay any attention to the sports, lots of people don't pay any attention to the cuisine just because they happen to be in the place. No, I would agree. So, I mean, I think if it's somebody, you know, saying that this restaurant isn't Italian and they've never been to Italy, or if they go to La Sardine and they're like, this person's doing this and they've never been to France, you know what? Shut the fuck up. You don't really know. You can't say that this isn't French enough if you've never been to France. And if you've maybe grown up with this food and you've been there and all of that, that's fine. But I also don't expect it to be you know, I don't expect you to transplant that restaurant to Chicago to an extent, but I think you've got to have, if you're going to take the time and you're going to travel and you're going to go somewhere and you have this passion, who's to tell you well, that but, you're not allowed? But we're not talking really about France or Italy. Yeah. And as, as the resident ridiculous lefty who cares about cultural appropriation in a stupid way in the room, I will say this though, which is that I think that the real crime is not that someone goes to another place and does their thing. Like, that's not, that doesn't bother me. I think that everyone I know, and Rick Bayless is a perfect example of this, who yeah. goes to another place and takes their things seriously, they have reverence for the people in that place who do that thing. And that's not appropriation. That's saying, I respect the people who are doing this. I've let them teach me. I've interacted with them. I've written books about them. And I've come back and I've decided to replicate that and let other people experience it. That's fine. What, bother, what would bother me if it happened would be someone who would say, well, I've seen some cooking shows and I've eaten in some <laughs> Chinatown restaurants and I'm going to open a Chinese restaurant and I'm going to call it authentic even though I've never been to China and I've never talked to a Chinese person. That's appropriation to make money. Like, that's bull. But if you're going to do the work, maybe it is appropriation in a technical sense because you aren't of that culture and you're doing something and of Rick that culture. And goes to Mexico and he does all of these things and then he makes it his own. How is that wrong? Right. How does that hurt anybody? Well, right. and I think that's that's the real issue. I don't think anyone, you know, has a different point of view from from you, Anthony, on this. <laughs> I think that might uh, not be true. <laughs> no, I mean here. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I would, I would agree. Not in, that, in that it is a matter of this sort of continuum of respect shown to things, of interest shown to things. The world is full of junky American takeoffs on foods from all over the world. Often it is people of those cultures who are making those things. I mean, you know... It's Crab Rangoon. <laughs> Rick Bayless isn't pretending he's Mexican. That right. would be a problem. But he's not doing that. He's no. saying, I've learned all sorts of interesting things from Mexican people. And that, for me, is the line. Is as long as you are true to what you actually are in your genuine heritage and what you have learned versus what you've absorbed through your childhood, you know, that's fine. And I'm not sure that absorption through childhood actually does that much for someone who needs to cook professionally anyway. And and I, I, and I'll, and I'll disagree with you on the whole French and Italy thing. I think people are getting upset about countries that some might and this is going to get me in trouble maybe where aren't as economically well off like we're just stealing their culture at this point like i said the world's a small place you can get a lot of things you can visit everywhere there's nowhere that you can't get to on this planet for the first time when in a generation or two 
I mean, my parents growing up, going to Asia, never going to happen. Now they get on a flight and be there in like 10 hours. That's a stunning thing. And I think that's the thing that we need to embrace and see that, you know, all of that stuff is happening and, and, and enjoy it and let well, that stuff come. And like when we were in Tokyo, we went into this, uh, this ramen place that had kind of a, I don't know, it was like a hipster rock and roll kind of feel to it. And of course the guys had worked in the U.S. and gone back to Tokyo at some point and stuff like that. And I think that's one of the things you really see in Asian food right now that's very exciting to me is the younger generation isn't opening, you know, the Chinese restaurant with the Zodiac menus. Your uh, horse. Your horse. Because they've eaten at other kinds of restaurants. They've traveled around. They, you know, they Let me ask you this. they you, went to college and they went and got pizza with their, with all the other kids. People in other countries are having this conversation about how there's cultural no one in, yes. in their restaurants. Yes. Really? You think people in France are like, oh man, barbecue, this guy's <clears throat> stealing it. I think people in England are certainly having this conversation because they've been having it for about 60 years about Indian food and all the other types of things that the, the English chefs then import into their fine dining restaurants and then people complain about it. You know, I think any culture with an immigrant, a really strong immigrant population where chefs who are not of that ethnic group then work with people in that ethnic group and learn things about it, there's always going to be that conversation. I think, once again, the issue is are you aware enough of it to do good work while respecting the source of the inspiration? I mean, it's, you know, I don't think we're the only people, you know, smart enough or dumb enough, depending on your attitude. To Although I think, like, there was Italian food all over Japan. Yep. I don't think anybody is talking about culturally appropriating Neapolitan pizza in Japan. They're just making, like, Neapolitan Do pizza perfectly. Do you guys get offended perfectly. that British people like corn on their pizza at Pizza Hut? I think as it's Americans. great. <laughs> I think that sounds delicious. Speaking of which, and in a totally unrelated note, though it can go on the recording, I've discovered the world's greatest pizza topping, thanks to a friend of mine. I now am ordering Jardinera on every pizza I order. Okay. And it is blowing my mind. So with everything opening, yes. is there something that has yet to open and you're like, I wish someone would do this? I feel that there's a lot of things, and then I actually had this thought about the tasting menu in general. You know, there's a, there's kind of a set order to th how things come out, and you know, I could make you a certain number of pretty things. It's really how much labor are you willing to yeah. throw at it. Now, there are different levels of deliciousness, certainly, but to me, it kind of, I don't know. I, I feel. A little worn out on the tasting menu versus show me something completely different. I mean, I was talking about Sumi Robata Bar the other day. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's just a place that has its, it has its own world to itself. Yep. And it does certain things by its own lights and inspiration to what seems like its own level of perfection. And I wish there were more places like that. I mean, to me, we lost one, which was Tet Charcuterie was, was kind of in yeah. that vein. Um, I agree with that. And I don't know that we've gained a whole lot more, but I would love some, I would love more places that did one little thing well as opposed to giving me that whole spectrum tasting menu. You know, we're going to start by doing crudo well and we're going to end by doing chocolate and raspberries well and in between we'll do, <laughs> we'll do steak and we'll do a scallop well and so on and so on. Okay. Anything that you 
I mean, I will continue to say the same thing that I almost always say every time anyone asks me this question, which is that as an Italian, I wish we had fewer Italian restaurants and I would give my left arm for 10 to 15 more really solid French bistros. I'm really still sad that for some reason Chicago cannot seem to support a critical mass of places where I can get a great plate of steak frites. I don't understand it. The Blanchard. I, it's amazing. I love it. But my point is, That's I want one. ten one more of, like of them. Three, yeah. There's like yeah. three, and then and then places that sort of can do it close because people want to open Italian restaurants instead. Um, and I think that's that's my. Dude, which large restaurant group are you thinking? I of can't there, imagine Anthony? what I'm thinking of. Um, and so that's, let that's, us think about it. For that's a all. <laughs> that's always mm. my sort of d- d- toss off answer when someone says, "What do you want to see more of?" Because yeah. that's my comfort food, right. and I think it would be more people's comfort food, as evidenced by the fact that the places that do it well are consistently packed for years on end. If uh, people had the right atmospheres, they had the right locations, they had the right business models, you know, the right size. I think has a lot to do with it. You can't really have a three hundred seat good French bistro that survives. No, but um, I mean, you, you mean you know, eighty six seats. How big was Brasserie Joe though? Pretty big. It's decent size. There's over 100 seats. And for so me, that's sort of my like bucket list. I wish I wish Chicago had 20 more of those. See, for me, like we all do the, the a lot of. There's been a lot of like grandma Italian, and I've said it to a few friends. I'm like, where's the grandma Jewish? I would yeah. love that. Well, and and the one place that I think did a really good job of it lasted for 15 minutes and died. See, yeah. but that's the Which thing. Like, I went to Dizengoff in Philly not too long uh, ago this past weekend, and the hummus yep. is ridiculous, and the the riffs that they're doing where Zahab, I mean, you know, yeah, you can do. That would be my dinner. Yeah. Like going there and having those riffs on the on the Jewish food for dinner is awesome. This is perfect. But like, how do we not have this in Chicago? No one's doing it. And it I think strange. if somebody could do it well, I mean, there's you'd have to be open three to all day because I want potato pancakes. I want brisket. I want. So what you're telling me is when Cletus is done with his stint at Kosi, <laughs> you should invest in his modern Jewish restaurant. Does he have? Is, is that, that his, his plan? No, no, no. I'm saying that that would be, that's oh, okay. always what he was riffing on at City Provisions and at Fountainhead because he's super into Jewish food and he's super into beef lover pate and he's super into potato pancakes. He's super into bagels. And that's what someone needs to say is like, man, give up on the hyper local thing and go open a modern Jewish <laughs> restaurant. Just, um, Make it delicious. As long as the horseradish is local. Or... All right, what do you got? Anything um, else? Are we good? Well, we talked about steak. I mean, uh, I'm excited what for would be a good name for a steak place if you were going to open one? Knife? Would that be good? Fork? No, I don't know. Did you think everybody's done knife? Fork? Yeah. Fork? You couldn't be spoon. That's the so. Rated? <laughs> yeah. Cut, chop. Cut, chop. Prime. Well, there you go. Prime. You know, it's funny. I, I used to think about, I wanted to do an article at Grub Street of like, Restaurants that have the same names as other restaurants, because there's like a, there's an African restaurant that's called Grace up in Uptown and stuff like that. Um, Don't and, put the wrong address on that review. Yeah, but it, <laughs> you know, you but like take Curtis Duffy to Grace African and see what he thinks. That sort of thing. That would be awesome. Um, That'd be hilarious. You should do. You it. know, the trouble is, of course, is a bunch of them would then get cease and desist letters from the more you know expensive like pages, places. Yeah. But uh, plus cultural appropriation. But you know, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> but I mean, really, knife. I mean, how how much more generic can you be? It's just such a ridiculous, ridiculous case. Yeah, and it's uh, not like those. We've I've seen so many examples and written about so many examples of genuine plagiarism, where like you took their entire web design and lifted it. Right. You took their entire menu and dish by dish lifted it. And this was just such a stupid. I, it was such a stupid controversy. I wouldn't write about it. I was like, I can't. I can't bring myself <laughs> and he's to saying care. the logos of the knife place in Chicago and the place in Dallas look the same. They, they don't, don't. They don't look the same. They don't at look all. the same. 
and more importantly, what like you were saying, oh god, steakhouse knife, what a thought! Like I Maybe can't he's imagine. A genius, and this is what gets him in the news. Well, Maybe this is what he wants. Not in a good way. That. I'm never going to that restaurant. Yeah, I mean, he apparently the guy, Chef John Tsar Tezer, whatever it is, yeah, blows up on social media like this, and it, it, you know, you'll become a running joke at it by. The third or fourth. It's almost like he's on Maple. Every so often, he's just got to like let loose. You know, that's one. I will say that's one of the things I miss in Chicago. Is I feel like all of our chefs who reliably blew up on social media and said ridiculous things and gave me easy fodder for stories have all either left or been quieted down by their publicists. And it's really sad. It's like uh, there are not. There's not fights anymore. The end of Casino when uh, (laughs) it's no longer the world of De Niro and Pesci and it's just all the old folks coming in the door. Yeah, I know it's depressing. I wish we had more of those old school remember those great old what was the place before too what was that shithole uh, <laughs> oh the black sheep <laughs> the black sheep yes oh, we played rocker music and you're not gonna get it but it's gonna be amazing well and they insisted All that right. people would endorse them when you hadn't actually been there or endorsed them that Come was on. great I love that yeah but yeah uh, we don't really have we any we don't have any of the crazy. We, have... we just have egomaniacs I miss uh, yeah um, who is the, the... chef at the Innovasi. Innovasi. I was yeah, thinking John DeRossier. John DeRossier, yes. who would go crazy on, on Twitter. Twitter. How does nobody come to my restaurant? It's the greatest ever. Because no you built it in the North is. Pole. Yeah. It is really good. And it's I would, in Milwaukee. I would, dri- I would drive that far for it, but I'm not surprised. Yes. But at the same time, when you're that crazy, I don't want to support you. No. Like, even if you're... Maybe they've learned that. You, and that's how good do you doing. have to be to get past that ego? Or that just... just Outspokenness. I don't know. I always, I always enjoyed him. Uh, he was a good. He one. was, he was, he was fun on Twitter and like with Foss blowing up. On I mean, all of it. I tried fun. to incite a little bit. There was a dessert recently at a certain uh, restaurant named Acadia that looked vaguely familiar to a, a restaurant called Avenues in 2011. I got nothing out of it. It was like everybody was asleep. I'm like, come on, man. The, all the people There's who nothing. write about food were still in high school in 2011. That's so. true. It's depressing. I had that dessert at Avenues and. I'm the only one. <laughs> you and I are the You're only right. one. You're right. It's true. They've all, they, they, were all, they were all developing Instagram because Instagram wasn't around yet. Oh, my right. God. I had the Pay most, for play. The, let's, well, and let's talk about that. So I had the most depressing experience where someone who I respect told me that a particular restaurant that will continue to remain nameless gave any Instagram person who came in the door a $500 tab and just said, go to hell, go to, go to, go to town. All you have to do is take a picture of your meal. And this is like a well-established, large restaurant. No one told me about that. I know. I mean, either. That's been there. We I are s- not. And that's, I was just like, why I get paid less than that for a freelance article. I just need to give up. The hard part follow those Instagrammers thinking that they're not declaring that they're getting paid for this. That's the issue. I, to me, there's a whole issue right now that no one is willing to confront, which is that there is an entire school of fake journalism that has, you know, an entire industry of it that has popped up right next to the real one. And I see this all the time. Someone will write a, um, you know, a piece on like the 15 best places to eat in the West Loop. And it's obvious they've never been there. You know, I, there was one I just saw. It was like, you know, Avec. If you want a place that's always reliable, be sure to go to a vet. <laughs> Everything in a vet is good. You know, if ask for Chef Corin. Yeah, <laughs> ask for Chef Corin. Be sure and be sure and have the 
Google uh, bacon wrap dates. You know, <laughs> well, and, I mean, and, and, the then, and I would say the real journalism is starting to go that route. I mean, the but then is what happens is month every other month. Yeah, well, but then I what mean, happens? But at least they actually go to the places. What happens then is. You publish this list, people get on it, and people immediately, you know, the restaurants will actually retweet it. Thanks so much for putting us on your list of the 10 best places to to eat in the in the West Loop, Sergei Yutkovich of <laughs> Vladivostok. Like you used to ride, it's like when you used to go on the airplane and you'd read the actual magazine, and they're like the 10 best steakhouses in America. Or the ten best but that was an actual ad, and it had advertisement ad. right. at the top that of that the thing. Place was bullshit, but now nah, you can't tell. You can't tell. There's this cloak of realism to it. They we were. also don't have writers to really go after anymore. The, sh- the crazy chefs are gone, and the, the crazy outspoken crazy gone. writers. Yeah, no the ones who are left get gone after plenty. Thank you very much. Yeah, but I mean, there's not the fighting, <laughs> fighting amongst each other. No, because I think part of that is because we've all just gotten tired of it. I mean, I see those articles all the time where I'm like, I could say something bitchy about this writer because they're being dumb, and I just don't have the energy anymore. I'm just like, I this is just saying the same old thing again, and I could screaming yell at into them. the wind. It's screaming into the wind, and I could yell at them for, you know, bragging about a restaurant they've clearly never been to and insulting a restaurant they've clearly never been to, and I just don't have the time. I know that's sad, but I'd rather spend my time going to this long list of restaurants that I haven't managed to go to yet, and then Which writing. Somehow, about. haven't figured out to pay you for your I, reviews. Five hundred dollars. Good lord! I have like twelve Instagram followers. Why won't they pay I me? I will gladly yeah. come to your restaurant. You can pay me five hundred dollars, but I will tell you what I think. Are we not allowed to do that? Is that what, that's not what they want? I, I think it's assumed no. that that is not part of it, right? Can't handle the truth. <laughs> Can't handle the truth. Um, yeah, no, There's I mean, that's... people in the suburbs. I was, I was very they flattered. They me on that. I was very flattered, article. actually. I had a publicist. This was, like, the proudest moment of my month. I had a publicist email me and say, you know, I really want you to come in to dine at this restaurant. I'm like, well, they've been open for, like, a year and a half. There's nothing new going on. Like, what do you want? And she says, oh, actually, I just started representing them, and I know you're, you're one of the only people who I can invite you to dine at a restaurant, and you will call me up as soon as you leave and tell me it was awful. Because <laughs> 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 everyone else will just tell me it was great because I paid for it. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of flattering. I like that. Uh, and I think that that's, that's the problem is that there's, there's so much of that, you know, knee jerk. It's great. It's great. It's new. It must be great. It's new. It's interesting. There's a, it's a region I've never heard of and I can't compare it to anything. So the right. fact that it was disgusting on my palate, well, it was from the Seychelles. So it must be good. Like, you know, it must be good. It's yeah. how Seychelles people eat. I got one where, uh, Thrillist reprinted one of my old pizza lists for them from like 18 months ago. And... So I, no, it, it actually was still fairly accurate. No, it's not like my Euros list that the Parthenon is number one on. But uh, the uh, and I'm not eating more Euros to find out what should replace it. Uh, but it was you know so I get I get a note saying, um, you know I represent insert name of famous delivery pizza thing in Chicago, and they're very curious. You know they want to know how to get on this list. Make good pizza. Yeah, and I need twenty five thousand dollars. I know. And I just I responded. Free pizza for life. You know, I. It's an old list. I don't really have anything to do with it, but at the same time, I've had plenty of insert name pizza, <laughs> and I stand by my judgment. And 
they just wrote back and said, "Okay, thanks. I, you know, appreciate the honesty." That's the right response. Versus well, it wasn't. Mad at you for it. it wasn't quite the right response compared to, well, we have a new Tesla, which we'd like you to <laughs> test drive for six months. But. The problem is that PR person now has to go back to the restaurant and explain to them why their pizza is garbage in a nice way yeah. and why you won't put it on. Yeah. This is my big problem, Mike. Is that I'm happy to accept bribes. It's just that no one offers me any bribes. Yeah, it's. It's just not like it used to be. I know. I want some bribes. I mean, I'll take the bribes. I'm still going to be a dick about it. Yeah, me too. That's the problem. <laughs> Produced by Michael Gebert for Fooditor Radio. Music by Kevin McLeod. Fooditor.com.